everybody, and welcome back to Table Talk. Joining me tonight, as always, are Small One and Cameron, my brother and good friend. We're going to be talking tonight and kind of doing a little bit of a brainstorm about what to do when your players are missing. So how do you incorporate that into your game? How do you figure it out role play wise? What do you do when it's a single day? What do you do when it's a long period of time and they have to step out? And because this is a brainstorm, this is going to be kind of open to you as a community too. We want to know what are the best ways you have come up with it because we might not have all the answers. And while we have, I think, some pretty good ideas, we're really interested to know what you all have and to kind of build off that. So we're going to get started right in here because we're we're still a little new here. I'm going to start off with some intros again. So I'm swapping back and forth. This time we'll start with my younger brother, small one. If you want to give a brief intro on yourself before we jump into things, that'd be great. Yeah. So uh, I'm Christian, Dylan's younger brother, and I've been playing D&D with him for the past oh, 10 years. I've been a major player in a lot of his campaigns and now played in a few different other side campaigns in uh, the Ohio State University. <laughs> and I am the official Gen Z, I guess, advisor for critical crafting here. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so Cameron, if you want to share a little bit and we'll kind of jump into the conversation here. Yeah. What's up, guys? Uh, this is Cameron. I uh, actually I was just actually looking on my computer here to see if I could find an exact date. But uh, I've been playing D&D with these guys for actually, I believe, three years next month. It's crazy how fast it goes by. And um, this is my first time ever doing anything like this. So I'm still kind of one of the newbies at the table or whatever. First time player, first time DM. I live here in town. And so I'm not playing remotely. I get the pleasure of getting to play in person. Awesome. And actually, that's something that we're going to touch on here in this episode Cameron mentioned playing remotely. Small one is playing remotely from Ohio. Um, and we did have to. <laughs> <laughs> so we did have to write him out for time, but we brought him back in playing remotely. And that's something we're going to cover in a later episode is, you know, what are some methods to having a player who's long distance and how do you kind of navigate that? Not not just, you know, when you're playing an online system where everyone is playing remotely, but when you have a table of primarily physical players and someone wants to join in. So that's something we're definitely going to cover later. But for now, we're going to focus more on what do you do when that person, you know, moves away and you got to write him out for a while or when the player is sick or someone in their family has something come up or, you know, they can't make the session. What do you do? So again, we don't have all the answers, but we're going to share with you what we have and we'd love to hear what you have. So with that, we're just going to kind of start off the conversation. Again, this is a brainstorming session, so be a little bit of an open forum. But we'll just kind of start it off here. So guys, any comments? And again, this is as a player who's being written off for a bit or, you know, as a DM. I think for uh, one thing to kind of first specify is that I think it falls into two different groupings. What I would say would be either like a short-term absence or a long-term absence. So I think we need to like kind of stick with those distinctions as we're maybe explaining to make it easier for the listeners. Sure. It sounds like school again. So <laughs> <laughs> your number of sick days, then you get a suspension. <laughs> so, 
So I'll tell you what. How about we start off with the long-term app? Well, most people, I think, are going to deal with short-term. So yeah, let's deal with the, Right. So let's deal with short-term absence first. And honestly, I think this is the more difficult one to deal with. So what are some things that we've done in the past? If we think about this, you know, Cameron, you and I have both DM'd the game and had to deal with this a lot. And a small one, you've been someone who has been absent and has had to deal with then a DM kind of riding you out for a little bit. What are some good ways that we've done this? Well, I think the first thing is just to communicate if you're the player or if the DM, just to communicate with the other person, really get a solid idea for how long and how available you will be in the next few weeks during whatever sessions they're planning and try to pick out how you can mesh with the player's role play and backstory and also with the story because you really don't want to make it very abrupt. And sometimes it does have to be kind of abrupt where the character just kind of you know, disintegrates Thanos style. <laughs> um, but sometimes uh, you can work it out a little bit better so that you can actually set aside a session. I know for when I went off long term, you set aside a session. But if you're talking short term, I think the best thing is just to communicate and try to have a good idea of if you're the player leaving, be able to know what your player's doing, your PC's doing during that time. Are they just disappearing or are they going to still be in the group and somebody else is going to play them? I think it's just important to know what's going on. That's a good point. Um, and sort of jumping in there, I know like things come up schedule wise all the time. You know, we again, we, we've said this before. We all have lives. We've got families in this. And sometimes someone's sick or you have like a, a job shift come up or whatever. And so sometimes it's hard to be like, hey, you know, I'm not going to be there tonight or I'm not going to be there this week or whatever. But it can be hard, you know, especially when somebody like the other night we had small one who had to jump out for something. And it was like right in the middle of the session or, or you know, when someone jumps out right before the session and then figuring out, OK, how do you write them out super fast? Yeah. And then. As a DM, how do you adjust the encounter to make sure it's still balanced for everyone? Or do you? So there's a lot that goes into this. But Cam, so we've heard, you know, small one, you kind of have expressed as a player, like what you should do, what the best practice is for making sure that your DM knows what's up. Cameron, what, what do you think? What are what are some things that you have been able to do with this party to, to kind of help with this? Um, from the DM standpoint, I mean, obviously the easiest solution is just to hand wave it. Maybe you're starting the session up and it's all of a sudden like that player just kind of vanishes into the background and just follows along as a quiet, just walking NPC or whatever for the session. So that's always the easiest, but I feel like that's also kind of the, like the lamest way. I mean, you can obviously in a pinch have to do that, but if you can get more creative, I feel like that's maybe going to just keep it more interesting for everybody. I feel like a good short-term fix is to take whatever kind of the current tension is and just tie it in with that. Going back to Dylan's example, that's a perfect, I think, example too, is at the time our party was exploring a cave on a deserted island and we had come across a flesh construct, I believe the thing was, a flesh golem. And as a small one had to, to dip out of the game unexpectedly, Suddenly, yeah, the flesh, flesh golem, golem just lunged forward and just swallowed small one's PC whole. And so, um, wait, wait, I got that, swallowed. Yeah, you did. Oh, crap. Yeah. You have to read the recap, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Actually, and you also got like half roasted like a traducan inside of a flesh golem last game. See, when you said yeah. roasted, I thought you meant like everyone like made jokes about No, me. I no, meant like I literally, in the literal sense. Oh, in the yeah, literal sense. <laughs> I think the, the benefit to doing something more so like this instead of just hand waving him off of the off of the screen or whatever is that now because the, the flip side of this is as, as hard as it is to write them off it can be just as hard to write them back in again. So yeah. when you when you tie it to some sort of a threat or something like specifically pertaining to the environment or even maybe like a, an NPC that's nearby, then that gives the DM options for how to explain that character suddenly reappearing. So, Well, I know you talked about kind of in the past, Dylan, as a DM, where you, you, wanna, you don't want to give like punishments or anything for a player from missing. But sometimes when you do have, for instance, like when I left here, now I'm going to have to figure out either, you know, how to get out of this monster or have some repercussion from it. To what extent do you think uh, players should have some type of effect that is based on them, you know, not being there and then something you have to write them out really quickly in a creative way. Do you think there should be any effect? Should it be a small effect? Uh, what are you guys' thoughts? That's a really good question. So I think you... Yeah, I think there needs to be something. And that isn't to say, again, I don't want to punish a player when they're like, hey, like my wife is sick or hey, I need to go work a job or whatever. Like, that's kind of rude if you're like, okay, well, now you have to do this in order to make up for, you know, be missing my session. Like, yeah, it's it sucks when people miss a session like, you know, you put a lot of heart into it and. Like they, most of the time people really want to be there. So it's, it sucks when people have to miss and you don't want to punish them for it, but you also want to create, for most people, you want to create a cohesive storyline. So again, you know, as Cameron was saying, the best, not the best, easiest way to do things is to just kind of hand wave it. And I've seen this all the time where it's just kind of like, you know what, poof, they disappear for a bit and poof, they come back. And we did this when I ran my first ever like long-term campaign, which was essentially like, and their deity calls them away for some duty that they do. And then they reappear and everyone's like, okay, cool. But as a DM, you're like, man, that was a stretch. That was not really great. (laughs) So, you know, why aren't they disappearing all the time to do that? (laughs) Uh, So what I have enjoyed doing is, you know, writing in something that it fits in the storyline and maybe it has a slight repercussion where at the beginning of the session, when most of the time, you know, a beginning of a session, if the former one didn't end in combat, I have the party kind of role play through what's going on. So most of the time it can be resolved in that. And I always think of it as kind of a fun warm up exercise for them. So for instance, like, this last session, we actually had, you know, small one had to step out. So he got eaten by a flesh golem. Before that, we'd have, what was it? Two or three? Three? We were missing no, two. Two. Yeah. two. Tallying and two. Okay. Yeah. Two and then a, an animal companion. Um, mm, yep. So two players had to step out and, you know, they had been on this ghostly pirate ship. So, you know, they had to step out a few hours beforehand. I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this? And the way I figured out was, okay, they'll also turn ghostly. And... I figured the party would solve this sort of riddle. It was a murder mystery sort of thing by the end of this session. So by the time they solve it, then their allies could have been resolved as, okay, now they're cured of whatever curse this is that's going on. 
it's still a bit of a stretch. It's, you know, not using official rules or anything like that, but it makes it a little bit more believable than them just suddenly vanishing and coming back. Just like, you know, camera was saying, having all of a sudden the flesh golem swallows small one's character whole. Well, maybe there's some repercussions for that. And maybe there aren't. And maybe that depends on what role play he does next session. Just like when they jumped in, I was like, okay, like you've been gone. I'm not going to tell you what's happened. Mm -hmm, I'm going to let the rest of the party explain it. And then we're going to see like, you know, okay, you come back. Like you're not ghostly anymore. You show up and these visions have happened and all this stuff. And now the party is going to tell you what they saw. And it makes for some cool role play. Yeah, that's very true. Um, I would also say too, a lot of it maybe just depends on the group itself too. So like if you have say like, say the majority of the party, they just want to show up. They just want to, they just want to hack and slash some goblins and then go home. Like if you hand wave somebody off, they're probably not going to care. But when you're, when you have a group that's more invested in the storyline and the character development and stuff, that's maybe where it's a little more like appreciated or it means a little more when it's something a little more kind of like interesting or more narrative. One thing I was going to say though. Um, so going back to the whole, uh, the comment Dylan made that we obviously don't want to punish people when they miss, but at the same time, some sort of a, of a, of an, an effect, I would say, I don't even know if I would always say it's a repercussion there. Are usually, I think something needs to be put into place there. So like with the same instant uh, example, we've been using small ones, character gets, cut out of the belly of this flesh golem or something so maybe when he stands up he's sickened or something for x number of rounds just to give it some sort of like lingering effect from what happened or another thing i think that is maybe something to kind of weigh the benefits of would be so say you have in our case we do milestone leveling and with xp and everything or instead of xp and then usually we're pretty good about splitting the party wealth if a player misses do they just kind of miss their like piece of the pie then so, and I think that again depends on the party and then depends on like what the player is willing to do. So, you know, if everyone's, you know, three players are there and they defeat this big monster and they get all this treasure and everything. If then you say to this other player, like, hey, like you were out for this session and I would like you to do some like online role play with me. Like, I'm just going to text you stuff and, you know, you roll a die or whatever, which we can talk about in a bit. But like, if they're willing to do that, Maybe you give them a little extra or maybe you talk to the party and you say, hey, like they were gone. Um, are you guys cool sharing the treasure? And some parties are like, yeah, totally. And other parties like, no, like they didn't help out, man. We're not going to do it. And sure. that's yeah. that's fine. Like both ways are fine. Um, and some people might be sitting there like, oh, that's awful. Like, how could you do that? <laughs> you jerks. And other people are sitting there like, yep, you know what? Like, that's how we do. But I think, you know, it, it kind of what stems into that is this idea of like the involvement in it, like the risk, right? Mm -hmm. Because like we just, you know, we just did a side session that was basically a random encounter and almost half the party died, right? So there's there's risk involved. And if you aren't there to be involved in the risk, do you get the reward? Do you get and the reward? That's, that's kind of a, <laughs> yeah, right. You do. But but that's sort of that's like a party to party thing, you know what I mean? No, that's a that's a good point because I think uh, when I miss like sessions, whether it's you mm -hmm. know commuting or you know through the internet with you guys, or if it's actually in person, I'm not able to come to my group in Columbus here. You feel disconnected because you do miss as part of the story, and sometimes you need the DM to 
kind of bring you back into the game and you need the party to kind of help you pick up the pieces and figure out where you were because it is really difficult but it sucks that people have to miss and it sucks mm-hmm. that the dm puts so much time and then somebody can't make it i know that really is difficult on everyone but i think that we also need to be aware that the player if they are missing for their you know a legit reason and they wanted to be there that you they really the party needs to try and involve them and try to get them back in because sure. i know a lot of times this fall especially i know i missed a lot of the dean group here in columbus yeah. and because they scheduled their games for saturday during the ohio state football game <laughs> which was not a good time for me and uh the big thing was I just felt disconnected after all that time. And it's really hard when you're not doing extra role playing outside or you're not having any, even, you know, not homework assignments, but just small things to keep you engaged, whether it's text like, Hey, we did this, you know, just really quickly. If you can get a full, you know, paragraph outline of what happened, that's great. That's a lot of work for groups too, but just try and keep the player engaged if they can't make it. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with you. And I think Cameron, you did a wonderful job of that because you were the first of the DMs in our group who actually dealt with, you know, small one being away for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you had an excellent solution, which I think would be awesome to share with everyone about, you know, kind of looking at, okay, we've talked a little bit about the short term stuff and I don't know that we've really found a solution for it. I think we have some, you know, ideas and I'd love to hear some other comments on what other people have done, but maybe we look at now the long term thing. So, you know, you had a cool solution for that. I think would be awesome to share with everybody. Sure. So I have, so maybe just a little bit of background to maybe make it make a little more sense, a little context. So Small One's character is a changeling. He's also our bard and with just unreal skills at anything diplomatically or bluffing or um, intimidating, conning his way into stuff. So the campaign we had played in, our party found themselves in a kind of a, a tangent universe, a pocket dimension. And inside of there, as they were trying to find these relics to get back home, they were encountering some religious zealots, um, aptly named the Children uh, of Exile, that they were kind of opposing them every step of the way. And so when when the summer was finally over and we'd made some significant progress into the new campaign then, it was suddenly time for Small One to go back to school then. So Dylan did a really cool kind of exit like little side one-off for him or whatever. And it ended with his character being like hung in the gallows. And so I kind of knew, so since Dylan and I had switched for one and for one encounter, like I knew that there was like kind of behind the scenes, what might be going on, but to everyone else, it appeared that, that Christian was being killed off and that we were just going to, he, since he was leaving for school and he'd come back someday and he'd probably come with a new character. When he left though, I had partnered with, with small one offline to kind of come up with an idea. I, I kind of threw, I think, a couple of options at him just to feel him out. I didn't want to tell him what was going to happen. I wanted to have him have some sort of ownership in it too, deciding like what his character would do. And yeah. one of the options that he really latched onto was that as a changeling, he would be in like the unique position that he could basically infiltrate the Children of Exiles organization. So that's what we kind of left it at. We did just a little bit of role play through like Facebook Messenger to kind of set the stage. But then what ended up kind of happening would be we we have a, a private Facebook group that we kind of 
all share like memes and stuff on. But one of the things we do is uh, we normally will have a recap from the session afterwards. That'll be a couple paragraphs or so, um, sometimes more detailed, sometimes not, but um, enough so that anyone that just needs a quick refresher before we start can read back on last week. So small one was able to keep tabs on things with that. But every now and then I would kind of shoot him a message and we would do just a little bit of like one on one role play back and forth just to kind of like update him as to it's been a month in game and this is maybe some things that of noting that have happened with um, his character then now that he's kind of infiltrated the enemy at the same time small one left the campaign for school my brother connor who plays in our game um, he was starting a new job as a teacher and so he wanted to take some time off as he got into the swing of things for that so his character left too um, he had decided a about, I guess it was eight months later or so, at the end of the school year, he'd be wanting to rejoin as a new character. So from behind the scenes, I, I had this really cool idea where um, I started a message thread with just small one, um, explaining, taking him basically through some like choose your own adventure style thing. Every time he would come up to like some sort of a, do you do this or do you do that more or less? And he would tell me what his character would do. And then we would kind of fast forward uh, a couple of weeks or a month. And then, so it was playing out in, in game, what was probably about four or five months or so. At the same time, I had another separate message to my brother Connor with his new character in mind, kind of playing him through a couple things. And there was one point in time where unknowingly to them, I gave them both the exact same scenario of um, from, from a small one standpoint, it was him and his uh, group of spies coming across um, some natives to the land, a, 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 like a clan of Raptorans. From Connor's side, who was playing as a new character as a Raptoran, he came across some children of exile. And so the way that they without knowing they were interacting with each other, but then ended up interacting with each other. And it it literally came down to them about to like just start an all-out battle between their two groups. And they ended up, Small One was able to kind of diplomatically, he was able to trade some insider information to appease Connor's new character. And they went their separate ways. And three or four weeks later in, in the real world, when they finally were both back in person then in the session, and then it was kind of like the big <laughs> reveal that, these two characters had already crossed paths before without realizing it. And so that was kind of a cool little moment. I love that. It took a, it took a lot of work to pull oh, off. Yeah. So that, that's something that you have to really kind of like spend the time of almost like drawing out like timelines and where they kind of cross at and stuff. But, but the thing was when, when small one came back to the table, I would imagine it, it seemed really cool kind of already. I mean, he, if I remember right, his first session back, the first thing he did after like revealing himself to the party then was that he just went into this, like just this maybe three or four minute long like explanation as, well, as to what he's been up to. So rather than where he could have easily had to look to me for me to fill in the group, what happened, he had all this information already in mind because he'd been, he'd, he'd played through it. It was just through Facebook chat instead of through in person. And same with Connor. He'd, he had a similar backstory from where he'd been and how he'd gotten to where he was and his own motives and everything. And um, so the the payoff was well worth the investment of time. Yeah, I, I thought it was amazing. I mean, you know, because I've DM for a long time, but like I hadn't really ever seen it's like, okay, you know, they're going to be away for a while. We'll just write them off and then we'll bring them back later. And when you did that, I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is so cool. And, and to have them then already be involved in the story, like everyone else, you know, they've been involved. They've had the storyline that but like they are involved and they're involved from different viewpoints and different perspectives and all this 
which made it even more cool because, you know, Connor's character came in and, and he was a native to the realm who had a claim to these things that we were trying to get. And he'd already done all this stuff to, you know, try and find them. And we already had some of them. And it's, well, do we tell him or not? And all this. So it made for some really cool role playing aspects. And I know, like, if you're trying to do more of a combat oriented, like long distance thing, that can be a little bit uh, difficult. And I think, though, when you're writing a character off for a little while, if they're willing to do the role play stuff and they don't really have to, you know, roll the dice and fight a monster and whatever, because really that isn't all that much fun for most people if you're doing it, you know, sitting at a computer screen. Whereas if you're interacting with someone and you're role playing, and you're going back and forth, like, that can be super cool. So mm-hmm. knowing that the choices you make have a direct effect on what's going on in the game. Right. So I feel like that can be super beneficial. And in a lot of ways, a long-term absence is a bit easier than a short-term one. But I'm interested to hear, small one, what you thought about the whole situation, role-playing a character from, you know, from far away and doing something that, you know, you weren't rolling your charisma, you were just role-playing. Yeah, I mean, I loved, love, love that. I stayed so involved in the story and I had a job and a, a duty to the actual uh, group and to the story past when I was gone. Cause it really, you know, leaving, I didn't want to leave, you know, I wanted to stay, but sometimes uh, you have to leave a group, whether it's for a job or school or some other instance. And I just loved that. I could continue to be in the group and feel like I was in the group, but I didn't like feel like I was, an outsider during the group chats because I still had an idea of kind of, you know, I may not be with the group in the campaign, but I am still in the story and I still know that I'm going to reunite with them. And I have a duty right now to be an infiltrator in the enemy's ranks, especially I love the part where you were talking about how I, I didn't even know it, but I met up with, you know, a, another player character that definitely must have took time because I had no idea that that was happening. And I thought it was a really cool thing to do where I felt like it could be a battle. And it probably would have if I didn't kind of have some idea of what was going on in the story enough to kind of bluff my way through it and diplomatically solve things out. But I know a, a lot of the things I did did end up shaping the final battle, whether, you know, with my group yeah. coming back and. You know, it's just little things like that where you enrich the story and you make the players feel validated that they're still a part of the story and they still have worth in the story. Because a lot of times when you write them off in an abrupt way and they don't continue to be involved in some way with the group, it kind of feels like a cop-out where they're just like, all right, cut ties, you know, you're leaving, you're out of the group. Like. <laughs> And if you come back, you can come back in the group, maybe, you know, it's just, it's kind of a, it's too choppy for me. And I love that you continued with it the entire time trying to keep me involved. And I think there's something to be said there about communication between both players and their, you know, DM or GM. And then also, you know, when you're transitioning, so like small one, you know, I wrote him out as being hung on the gallows kind of a thing for all of his bardic crimes But, you know, I had talked to him beforehand about, okay, 
we're not really going to kill you. We're going to find a way that it makes it look like you're dead, and that will let us write your character out, and you can come back. Well, that meant then, okay, I'm not going to be DMing. I need to talk to Cameron and be like, hey, this is what we're planning on doing. Like, let's set some things up so that it'll work out next time. But in order to do that, there needs to be a lot of, one, suspension of disbelief between people, and then two, you know, trust between players and dms to be like yes this is what's going to be best for the story like you know i trust you as a player to like pull this off and they're like i trust you as a dm to pull this off so if you're getting written out for a long time i think that you need to have a really good connection between the player and you know whoever it is that's dming gming your your campaign uh to make sure that you can fit back in well and that you do stay connected and i think it's it's important to say like that it may seem kind of like meta or kind of not, you know, to the world that you're just going to write somebody off in a planned way. They, you know, will be able to, you know, go through this hanging and survive. And it might seem like it's too planned, but I think even though it seems very planned to the, maybe the DM or the player, everyone else in the group thinks has no idea. And definitely was a shock when I came back and it seemed like very legit and really cool way to go out. And I think yeah. it's important it was, to say It was that. totally believable, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And as long as the player and the DM can both, like you said, have the suspension of disbelief, it makes the story just so much richer. I was going to say, people were sad when you died. <laughs> well, and uh, from, the, from behind the screen, too, though, like it was, it was absolutely perfect. So... Obviously, it was it was perfect. It was a perfect situation for small one because even though he had to leave and move away to go to school, like he was still able to be involved and have fun and still continue with this character that he loves playing as, and that was awesome. Um, but then, from my standpoint, behi- sitting behind the DM screen, it was a perfect situation because, say for instance, the party's heading um, from one city to another, and there's an opportunity for something like game changing inside of in, of that area or something so i could i could easily message small cuz so at this point he was about halfway through the school year he was home for christmas break um he was he rejoined and revealed his his big reveal that he had been he infiltrated the enemy played a session or two with us and then had to go back to school so we wrote it off again as if he was resuming his his um alter identity going back undercover or whatever so what ended up working though was they had through a really cool method, um, they had come across these journals that they were able to link together that Dylan's character held one and small one's character held the other. So they were able to um, communicate back and forth via writing each other letters and things like that. So not immediate communication, but enough so that if, if I needed to give them some sort of like big news of something that was happening on the other side of the country or something lore related, I could easily send small one a message saying, Hey, a couple of days ago, your, your band of the militia, they came across this and they found that. And then you've now learned this. And he would easily be like, Oh, that's amazing. I need to let the group know. So then he could message it to Dylan. And that was his, that was my way of dropping information to the party without having to just say, Oh, you also found this. It's, it's, more organic because it's coming from one of their their pcs so yeah that worked out 
if you can ever try and pull something like that off, it just made it so much more believable of a story. Compared to like an NPC having that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because yep. a lot of times you have an NPC who will give small bits of information and right. it, it just feels a lot different when it's a another player character who's giving you that. It keeps the player character involved in the story and the people in the group respond much better to other player characters information than an npc i think right well normally they trust it more for one. Oh yeah and it was super cool like you know i'd be sitting in a session and you know small one wasn't there but i had this object the duggar's tome that i would write messages to him which essentially was me texting him and then you know he would text back kind of a thing and obviously he was talking to the dm in between but essentially it was a cool way for like our characters to stay and us to stay in contact even though he wasn't you know not only was he far away but he wasn't available to play kind of a thing where now you know we have the video and that and he can jump in but at the time he couldn't do it and it was a super cool way to get him involved and even you know now like when when cameron had to step out for me to dm or when i have to step out for cameron to dm it's I think it's much easier to write us out for a long time. So there's, you know, character goals. Like my character is dedicated to creating a school of necromancy and worship of Vecna. So it's pretty easy to be like, okay, like he's found some followers. Like now let's go on this little mini quest line for you while everyone else continues. And the same for, you know, Cameron's character, Dorian, who's a warlock. Okay. You receive this, you know, vision from your patron and, you know, you go and try and figure out what it means and you go seek out this stuff. So it's easier, I think, for the long-term stuff. I think the short-term stuff is much harder to do. Yeah, I would agree. You're trying to shoehorn it in. Yeah, exactly, which which is difficult. And I think it takes a lot of creativity. So maybe something that we could do is sort of brainstorm like, I'm just thinking out loud here. If we think about different generic ideas that could easily write somebody out, for a session or two. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if someone's sitting there and they're like, hey, like I have an encounter and I need to write this guy out like super fast or I need to write him out. He was fighting. He was in the middle of a fight and now I got to write him out. Like, how do we do that? Like, what do you guys think? What are some cool ideas that we could come up with? Well, I think a generic one that might be uh, just, you know, throwing stuff out there, maybe bad, maybe good, is there always seems to be like a family member or a very close NPC that's in danger or that is Mm -hmm. uh, kidnapped, or something drastic has changed in the environment to somebody that the uh, player character would love or, you know, want to protect. And I think that's an easy, it might be a, you know, cop-out or easier way, not as creative, but I think it's a solid option, um, is just to have a relative or loved one of the player character just be kind of in a dangerous situation for that player to have to leave to, you know, go after that person. Sure. I, and that's easy, I think, even with, you know, an NPC who maybe they met in a town that they really like, whatever. Yeah, animal companion. But it comes, I think the issue then is, okay, so that's a great example for when they're in the middle of traveling or they're in a role-playing counter and they're talking with, you know, some king or something. And, oh, all of a sudden, this messenger rushes up to you and they tell you this news about your family member or you know, you're traveling on the road and this hawk comes by with a note in its hand kind of thing. And I think that works pretty darn well. It can't work all the time because, I mean, heck, where in the world are they traveling to for one session and jumping back? But you can hand wave a bit. But then I think the flip side is, okay, you're in the middle of combat. You get a note. Your family's in danger. And you're like, (laughs) 
Well, so am I. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> so is everyone. <laughs> right. <laughs> one one thing you could maybe do is um maybe tie it into the the like maybe the class of the character. Like so for instance, if you have a, a cleric or a paladin or something that has like some sort of a deity that they're serious about. It might be kind of tropey, but it could be something as simple as your your character is the a cleric of uh, Lathander, and all of a sudden he has some sort of divine intervention, and his eyes roll back in his head, and he collapses to the ground. And so he's dealing with his own thing or whatever, and he's just off to the side unconscious, and he'll be back when he's back. And then that kind of sets the option then for having some sort of little side role play thing of the vision that they see or the the avatar of their deity that they interact with or something right. like that. And and that can be hard too cuz like okay he's unconscious well why aren't the enemies like finishing him off kind of a thing. So it's one of those well maybe the party kind of all understands come on dude like you know he's not here right? But maybe you know if you're going that route it's he's protected by some kind of a divine shield or whatever you know. Yeah. Um, and that that gives you as a DM a way to kind of have an out to, for why, you know, nothing's going on. And then I, so I think that's that's awesome, you know, to have something that kind of separates them where they're not involved. So even like the ghostly thing I talked about, they weren't affecting anything. They were just kind of, you know, stuck in this state. And then I think that, you know, there's some other ways where the maybe more direct and they need a bit more of a... Um, uh, a resolution so like you know small one's character Irwin being literally swallowed by a flesh golem <laughs> that's gonna potentially take some resolution next time and i think that kind of comes into the you know what are your players able to accept you know i trust small one when he jumps back in to trust me as a as a dm where i'm not gonna you know rake him over the coals because he had to miss a session but i'm gonna find a cool I'm way a yeah, you're dead. Uh, but I'm but I'm gonna find a cool way to bring him back in. You know what I mean? So maybe you know maybe that's something. Maybe you have some sort of a creature that you know eat like literally eats a player, and you know when it's killed, they kind of burst out the side, kind of a deal. And yeah, you know that doesn't follow the general swallowing rules from different editions or whatnot. But there there's still some creative ways you can do it, or you know the the big bad guy turns them to stone or a trap turns them to stone. And once the players have kind of ventured on, they find some kind of a mechanism that at the next session will, you know, erase that effect or whatever. There's a lot of ways that I think you can realistically do it and not put too much of, bur of a burden on all the players for the next session. So you can hand wave it. I think using the environment's a big thing. Oh, for sure. Especially like, if you're talking about uh, if you're in the woods, if you're, let's say, in the sand, you can just have a, you know, sand trap where they fall into it and get sucked under. If near woods, you could have a, a pit where they just break through the ground and all of a sudden, you know, they were there one second and they fell through. And, and the next session, perhaps, would be, uh, you would hope the party, after they vanquish whatever encounter they're in, the creature, whatnot, they would have to venture into the cavern to find them. Or, you know, something uh, similar to that where the environment around them changes in some way to kind of, you know, take them out of the situation where they're not in the you know same area where the monsters will immediately attack them when they're already downed, where they're just gone. That makes sense. 
Yeah, that's a good one. I know one we've used a couple of times too. So we have a ranger as one of our players. And on a couple of times that he's had to miss, it's just been something as simple as all of a sudden his animal companion, his owlbear animal companion, Kuma, kind of like tilts his head as if he hears something and then just turns and just sprints off. And, and so his character turns and runs after him and he's not going to leave his animal companion unattended to. You could do that. You could apply a similar idea to like a familiar for a sorcerer or a wizard. So something like or a, a druid's animal familiar. So something where it's also kind of class related, but it, it kind of explains why they're having to dip out real quick. Yeah. And I think a big thing too, if you're the DM, like your players are going to know, you know, if some guy falls into a sand pit trap and he's not there to play, um, most of them aren't going to try and save him. But I think as a DM, you need to kind of specify that, you know, th this is a little different. So it could be like he falls into the sand trap and you can see that there's no way to save him. Like you, all you got to do is lay that out. Right. And that will basically make them go, OK, cool. Like we can role play like we normally would instead of like, well, now we have to try and save a guy who's not even here from a sand pit trap and who's, you know. Yeah. I was going to say the next session, then he could have escaped and he's, you know, he's fine. Maybe he's coughing up sand and he has to make a little bit of a constitution save or, you know, something quick and easy. But but something that's realistic to bring them back in. Yeah. When I'm thinking of, for example, the sand trap you just gave, perhaps show the party that he's still alive and unconscious for example just at the bottom of the sand trap you can show the part that he's he's safe and he's not you know in any real danger they don't have to worry about him until the encounter is over just make it clear either that he's completely gone you can't save him I mean, they don't know where he is or make it clear that he's safe and he's just either unconscious or trapped or however you want to put it but they have a clear idea that it's impossible or it's not worth it to try and go after him at this point or go after her at this point yeah that's a really good point because the last thing the last thing of the dm you want is for your party to all of a sudden completely get like like off track now trying to find a way to get through this yeah this like randomly appearing like quicksand pit or whatever to try and save somebody when it was supposed to be that way that's a good point small one one of the interesting things, and I'll just bring this up because I think it's hilarious. So I watch uh, Puffin Forest, which does a lot of like, you know, YouTube videos on his D&D campaigns. And they had a player. And one of the reasons that I thought about this podcast was because of some of the things that he was going through that I was like, oh, man, I totally relate. So they had a player who had to keep leaving for whatever reason. You know, he worked all kinds of shifts and stuff. So the way they figured it out was. The rest of the party, they're like, all the other characters, the player characters, they just don't like him. Like, not in real life, okay? But but just his character. So they're like, you know, my elf and the dwarf and the half-orc, they all hate the gnome or whatever it is. So anytime that he had to leave, it was literally, they just left him behind. So <laughs> they'd be in, like, the middle of some tomb, and he'd be like, guys, I got to peace out or whatever. I got a, a job. And so... In game, they'd be like, and we leave him. <laughs> and so, like, you know, so then a session or two later, he'd show up and it's like, you guys. <laughs> so funny. Kind of thing, which awesome. I thought I thought was hilarious. And I think that's cool too. Like, you can come up with a comedic way to write out characters. If that's what your party does, like if you're cool with not having to suspend disbelief and not having to kind of like 
finagle ways to write people in and out. Like, you can totally just be like, and he's attacked by a flying spaghetti monster and is grappled for three years. You know what I mean? Like, that's if that's, that's your pretty style, specific, Dylan. Like, Jeez, you came up with that on the fly. Yeah, I, well, I've been thinking of a way to get rid of is you. Is that a new account you're thinking of? <laughs> Oof, maybe. It's called a flump. So you can do that, too, where, like, if your group is fine with something like that, writing someone out like that, you can totally do that. So I, I think we've come up with a lot of, of good ways. Do you guys have any other like suggestions or cool things that we've come up with in the past or ideas that you've had while we're kind of sitting here, things to jump off of for people who are listening? I'm thinking in my 5e group here in Columbus, I often, they would use me as a, I'm kind of like the, we would say the easy way, you know, where I, I, they simply control me in a, in a certain way. I'm not really engaged in a lot of the battles, but they kind of use me as just an extra NPC. And I think there's benefits to that and there's drawbacks because it does kind of hurt the story or the role playing because it's not as, I guess, creative or it's not as engaging in some parts. You lose your agency too. Yeah, but it also, I guess, provides the group with a kind of free you know, watchdog in a certain way, which is kind of hilarious. I didn't even realize because I one I came back and they were like, well, we need somebody to, you know, watch the back door here and make sure nobody comes in. And they all turned to me, kind of looked, and they all laughed and they said, usually we'd have you do it, but you're here, so we can't. <laughs> and that's where you kind of, you know, you laugh about it. But at the same point, they actually used me as a watchdog. <laughs> So like if they were resting for a session or like they're like, hey, we found this treasure. We want someone to stay behind and watch it. And that's actually an awesome. That's that's hilarious. Like that's a great way to write someone out, though. Like if you if your party <laughs> finds something or has a camp and they're like, hey, we need someone to stay behind and make sure everything's good. Like that's a yeah. genius way to write somebody out. And it's easy. Oh, yeah. Especially I know we had one this last time where you would have kind of a tricky trap kind of situation where there's a lever and when you pull it up you know at one end the door opens but it only is open when you're pulling the lever up and you know they were they kind of joked again like well dang it if only we had you know you to here to just to stand here and hold up this lever for about you know two hours <laughs> then we could all get through and you could just sit there but it definitely it has its drawbacks but it has its benefits too because i I think my character kind of lost a little bit of backstory because, you know, they literally just sat there and watched something kind of like an NPC would. But they also made it really good for the group to have a, you know, a new <laughs> asset, a protection and security over their goods. So it's kind of, I think, based on the group, what you're looking for, I think my 5e group is a little bit less about kind of the overall story or the character development in some ways and more about just kind of, having stuff happen and having a good time while we're doing it. I think, you know, our group uh, with the 3.5 slash 5e-ish, you know, variants, we're more into storylines. So I don't think that would work very well for us, to be honest. I think it's all just mm -hmm. based on your group. That's a good point. Yeah. I think, you know, when you look at it, if you're thinking from like a XP standpoint, you go, okay, like it makes sense that maybe he'll get some XP. Or if you're looking at, if you're willing to role play on Facebook and we've talked about this as a group before, or, you know, between DMS and that, like if your character is willing to do something on the side to 
not necessarily make up for it because like if you don't have time that's totally cool and just tell your gm or your dm that and as a gm or dm you should be fine with someone telling you like i just don't have time but if you do have time and you're playing a game and your gm's like hey like i have a cool role play thing that you can do on facebook and you know the rest of the party went through all of this stuff maybe you should do it to get some xp or some milestone um points you know kind of a thing then it'd be kind of a cool thing to do. Yeah, I would second that. And actually, I think I would say I'm from the the mentality that I don't think I'm going to punish a player for having to miss. But at the same time, since we do like the milestone, XP is not really a thing for us. At the same time, I'm not going to punish them. But I, I think if they're willing to kind of meet me halfway there and at least try some sort of either like Facebook chat role play like we talked about or even like all right, just type up a couple of paragraphs as to what your character would have been doing while they were while they were off camera or whatever. I feel like if the player then engages with that enough that I feel like they're really taking it seriously or whatever, that's when I'm going to give them some kind of a reward or a boon or something. So even if it's not, in this case, we don't have the XP to be an option. It might be uh, maybe while they're doing whatever they're explaining, they find a small thing of gold or maybe they find a random potion or a scroll one of my favorite things personally is when the party is given just some sort of like just completely random object that in my mind i have no idea what they could possibly ever use this thing for and then sessions go by and suddenly they're in some sort of a bind and this item (laughs) is just used in some sort of awesome utility way that i would have never guessed and it's just cool how that works out so I'm, i'm a big fan of like rolling on random tables for loot and that kind of stuff yeah i think that's awesome a small one i'm sure we could go on and on and on about things you've used random items for oh my gosh yes (laughs) so many i know one of them that comes to mind immediately is the snowball launcher that was a kind of a not gag gift but a christmas (laughs) Christmas gift yeah Yeah, you gave a christmas gift to every uh, player character Um, i got a snowball launcher for my character, which was an animated chest, which is a whole other discussion. (laughs) What was really amazing was I used that in so many different ways that I think I never expected, the group never expected, the DM never expected. Heck no, I wouldn't have given it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Where this tiny snowball launcher, which would, you know, you shoot one snowball and it does maybe not even 1d4 damage, like two damage if that, and you have to be 40 feet away or, you know, so it wasn't a powerful weapon in any degree, but I used it where you could launch as many snowballs as you wanted. And so I would shoot these snowballs to accumulate enough snow in which I could literally hide in the snow or use it to build a little snow base or a little ridge or create ice for the enemy to slip on. Just all this other way. You put ranks in craft so that you could turn the snowballs into ice weapons <laughs> and for some reason i allowed it and i don't know why <laughs> it was a terrible idea but it was, it was a, a great idea but it was super <laughs> cool and i think that could be another discussion you know already you know in this podcast alone I've, we've come up two three different things where like we need to talk more about this future episodes absolutely yeah for sure So, uh, but we are coming to kind of the end of our time on this topic. If you want to hear more about this topic, let us know. We're kind of here to to please in a way. And we're talking about things that we love, but we hope we're talking about things that you love too. So if you want more advice, if you have things to share about this topic, please do comment below in the video. 
And with that, we're going to kind of sign off here for tonight. Thank you all for coming. Please do like, subscribe, hit that little bell notification button if you haven't already. And uh, first off, we're, we're going to go Cameron, Small One, and I uh, in order for sign off tonight. So Cameron, take it away. Yeah, I would say my biggest takeaway from tonight to kind of back up with what uh, Small One has said is just open communication between the players and the DM. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing everyone's thoughts and giving us some ideas so that uh, the next time this happens when I'm running a game, I can go to the comments and see what you guys are saying are good options. So um, until next time, this is Cameron, and my only vice is rolling dice. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, my biggest takeaway tonight, just I guess as a player character and as a DM, try to stay engaged and try to keep each other accountable when, when you're not there for a session, whether it's short or long term. Try to work it out so that you can be involved in the story and that you can feel a part of the group. It definitely helped me when I went to college to stay you know, in the group and as a part of the group. So I just recommend that is to have again, as much communication you can and to really try and connect. <laughs> and uh, my sign off is styling and defiling as a bard, of course. And that sounds horrible, but uh, it's mostly as, you know, a joke to say, uh, have fun during D&D and kind of cause chaos. And that's just what my character loves to do. So that's, that's how I, I guess the big thing and make sure to like and uh, comment any comments or questions or anything you want to see on this podcast awesome so i think i i'll kind of i guess third what everyone said i think one of the great things is that you know the three of us can sit together for an hour and and talk about all these super cool things um or at least we think they're cool that you can do to to kind of help build your game but the thing is we're three people and there's a whole bunch of you listening so Hopefully you guys can give us some ways that we can kind of move forward and, and come up with even better stuff to build our games, to build your games. And we are super excited to hear about it. So for my sign off, as my PC Delvos would say, when the Paladin says, heck nah, just keep hailing Vecna. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time here on Table Talk. Have a great one. Wait, wait, I got swallowed? Actually, and you also got like half roasted. Table Talks theme music Rhino's theme is brought to you by Kevin McLeod under the Creative Commons license. Please see the show notes for more details.